0: Coming up today on The Story.
1: So I walked through the door, he looked up at me and said, you're not well. And this doctor then went on a, a quest to try and find out what was actually wrong. So I came back and um, he said, that you've got lymphoma. Now we never heard of that. And she said, what's that? And he said, well, it's a cancer. The thing I remember was Robin bursting into tears. The Story. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax.
0: Welcome to The Story. Today, Chris Lamb candidly speaks about his journey with cancer. He's the author of the book What They Didn't Tell Me About Suffering and he'll share some of the unexpected gems of wisdom he's learned along the way. That's Chris Lamb. Today on The Story, he's chatting with Karen Hunt.
2: Just give us a little bit of an outline of earlier life for you. So you said you grew up in England?
1: Yes, born in England, yes came over when i was three went to new zealand mm-hmm. i brought my parents with me <laughs> they well done were, they were beneficial <laughs> <laughs>
2: just a little bit at that age
1: yeah so i grew up in christchurch of all places and yeah went to a catholic school was raised as a catholic mm-hmm. and then look uh, made my journey to australia in 1979 I'd actually moved from Christchurch to Auckland, and then from Auckland I moved over to Australia. Mm -hmm. And I was on my way travelling around the world and ended up getting married and having children, which kind of put an end to that.
2: How many children do you have?
1: I've got three daughters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all good-looking. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they're actually all all musicians. They're all guitar players and singers. Yeah, yeah. So um, that brought me to Australia, where I was with Frank Houston, Frank and Brian, mm-hmm. Brian Houston, and what was then called CLC, yeah. which was the forerunner of yeah. Hillsong.
2: Sydney
1: CLC. Yeah, Sydney CLC. So, and then eventually left there, went down to the Central Coast, and then eventually came back up to Queensland, where I am now.
2: Now, something happened. Yes. In your life, a major major part of your life, where you were out of the blue, diagnosed with a particular form of cancer.
1: Correct, yes. It was lymphoma, and um, I was pastoring at the time. As I put in the book, it was typical DIY Christianity, do-it-yourself Christianity, where I was working a full-time job selling advertising, taxi-top advertising, in fact, and I had a territory that went mostly all of New South Wales regional. So I was holding down that job. Mm-hmm plus counselling, speaking twice on Sunday. We had two meetings on Sunday, Mm -hmm. and we'd pioneered this church. We'd come up to the Gold Coast to actually pioneer the church. So we did everything that we thought we should do to be successful pastors. It was during that time that I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. My youngest daughter was only six months old, and initially it was devastating. It was devastating to Robin when we were sitting in the doctor's surgery They'd done these tests. I won't go into all the details about the tests, but some of them were quite traumatic. And God was already speaking to me before I was even diagnosed. He was talking to me about the healing of my soul, which was far more important than the healing of my body. Mm. And a great journey started at that point. One that I can now say was one of the most incredible things that happened in my life. Not that I would ask for it to happen again, we wouldn't, but when we consider the treasures that we go through, I mentioned in the book about hidden riches of secret places, a, a scripture in Isaiah, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. And as Christians, often we don't understand what God is doing and the treasures that are there in these dark times that we go through and these deep valleys that we go through. And one of the things that I learned And in retrospect, I see this very much, is that we as Christians who believe in God and believe that he's a good God, always want God to deliver us out of the situation. Our trials come, our sicknesses come, and immediately we see this is not of God. We discern it ourselves without asking God, and we want to be delivered out of the situation. And there's so many prayers. People come and pray for us. We're on altar calls and prayer lines, and we're praying that God will deliver us out of that situation. We don't want to be here because none of us like trials. Mm. None of us like the hard times that we go through. But what I learned is that more often than not, God wants us to find him in the trial instead of getting him to deliver us out of the trial. And he is the shepherd that walks through the valley of the shadow of death. And he is the one that shows us where these treasures of darkness are. And often while we are all the time crying out to be delivered out, we miss the treasure that is there at our feet and what we're going through at the time. That was one of the greatest things I learned as I came into this.
2: As a pastor and a senior pastor at that time, I'm interested to know beyond your family, how did your church family respond to the news?
1: Many of them were confused. Many of them were very gracious. But what I had to do, I I tried to keep going as long as I could while I was on chemotherapy. They put me on very, very quickly onto chemotherapy. Four large doses of of the Mm. stuff because the doctor said I was... um, young enough to be able to handle this he was a great haematologist in fact and uh, he hit it really hard which I'm glad he did so it had its effect on me so not only the cancer which was in my chest in my mediastinum area and my breathing was lacking and I had pains in my chest and that's what alerted me and took me to the doctors in in the first place. Uh The first doctor dismissed it and saying that it was um, just muscle spasms. He did all the tests and it was just muscle spasms. The second doctor, I walked in a few weeks later and he he looked at me and this is how I start the book, by the way. It, It starts off with the words, you're not well.
2: Which could mean all kinds of things.
1: It could mean all sorts of things, but I hadn't even addressed the doctor. I walked through the door. He looked up at me and said, you're not well. In retrospect, it was exactly what I needed to hear. And this doctor then went on a, a quest to try and find out what was actually wrong, which was an interesting story in itself. So I came back, and um, to answer your question, how did people respond? When I was finally diagnosed, um, Robin was with Gabby, and Gabby, my daughter, was six months old. So this
2: is your, your baby girl? Yeah. Out of the three? Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: She's 19 now, but mm-hmm. she was six months old then. Sitting there, he said, that you've got lymphoma. Now, we never heard of that. And... She said, what's that? And he said, well, it's a cancer. Well, that was the C word. Yep. The thing I remember was Robin bursting into tears and wailing. <laughs> you know, I know <laughs> this is that, that C word. Mm. And um, so that affected her like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Gabby, um six months old, didn't respond in any way. But um, she was devastated. The rest of my family were devastated. My mum went into hyper mother drive mm. and prayed and prayed and prayed. She is a great praying mother and people in the church again were confused most christians i find these days and i was told this many years ago around about this time that most christians don't have a theology for suffering so it's a thing that you either withdraw from or react to sure a few people were very very gracious And supported us But eventually You know The scripture says Smite the shepherd And the sheep Will be scattered And that's exactly What happened I couldn't continue And we had to close The church down It was only about We'd only been going A year and a half And it was 30 people At that stage Roughly And um, so we directed People to other churches A Few people stood by us And you know I've got a couple of friends Still today From that time Yeah That's a hard season It was Except Again Finding God At every turn I don't want to say this like I was some super spiritual guy that you know had the super faith because I wasn't. The most I was was real. I tried to be real. I sought God at that time. Can I say this? When I was diagnosed with that, I came home and I lay flat on the ground. I used to pray by the open window. We had these really tall windows and this westerly view. The house was built on the side of a hill, great view, watching the sun go down and so... I would sit there normally playing my guitar, gentle arpeggios and and sing to God and pray and it was my place that I'd commandeered for my quiet times with God. So I went there and this time I didn't have my guitar but I just lay flat on my face and I by accident prayed this prayer and this is the key thing. I said, God, tell me what is going on and he answered me straight away, Karen. He said to me and deep in my spirit, this is not about healing. This is about learning. Now, we talk about having a word of faith from God. That was the word of faith that I had. See, in the book of James, it says, My brethren, James 1 verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I don't know anybody that does that. Yay, I'm having a trial. (laughs) Count it all joy. Mm -hmm. But it says various trials. So there's all sorts of trials that we go through. You know, we go through trials of marriage and finance and all sorts of Suffering that we people go through And sickness is one of those trials It covers that And then he says um, Knowing that testing of your faith Produces patience And let patience have its perfect work And then it says this in verse 5 If anyone, any of you lack wisdom Let them ask of God Who gives to all liberally Or freely without reproach And it will be given Now without a shadow of a doubt Every time somebody prays this prayer correctly, God will answer. The problem is we don't pray the right prayer. And if I can explain this, by accident I prayed the prayer, Lord, show me what's going on. Instead of praying what people normally pray, and what I would have probably normally prayed, what should I do? People want to know what to do, and it's this again, trying to pray to get out of a situation, instead of first of all coming to the place of spiritual understanding about what is actually happening. Now the word wisdom here is the word Sophia in the Greek, and it actually means understanding the true nature of something. So that's the prayer that James tells us to pray, and it's relating to going through trials. Mm -hmm. So whenever we go through something, what happens is the flesh rises up and starts to panic. Then we start praying man-made prayers, and and we start conjuring up man-made faith. It's not what God wants. The first place, the port of call that we come to, God says, well, 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 hang on, hang it, wait on, just settle back, have patience. Now, how hard is it for us to come to a point of patience when we're going through a trial? To sit back and to say, God is in control here. God knows my situation. And then to pray, Lord, show me what you are doing mm. in this situation.
2: And he's the only one that truly knows the nature
1: of those trials. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's the truth. And what he says is that if you ask that, if you pray that prayer, he'll answer you straight away. Mm. And he did to me and the answer was this is not about healing. This is about learning. Mm. And then it says, believe what he says. Don't doubt it because if you doubt, you're like a wind of the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. At that point, I believed and at that point the journey began. You're listening to The
0: Story. Today, Chris Lamb is sharing about his journey with cancer and some of the spiritual insights he's learned along the way. Back with more of his story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. This is The Story. We're continuing with Chris Lamb chatting with Karen Hunt about his journey with cancer and some of the spiritual life lessons he's learned from his experiences. Chris is the author of the book, What They Didn't Tell Me About Suffering.
2: Are you willing to share with us the outcome just within your own family experience? What was a natural consequence of the time with your own family and uh, what happened further along your journey?
1: Okay, well I had baby Gabby and two teenage daughters and when I came to include them in the story, you know, retrospectively, writing. I couldn't remember them too much at all <laughs> they they had darted in and out because they were teenagers and they're emergent teenagers and doing what emergent teenagers do best and um, they are great girls today but they darted in and out of my experience. My experience was taking me deeper and deeper and deeper. You know what's one of the things that that I had to accept and I'll say this that anybody that's going through a trial And God speaks to them about what this trial is about, and he will. And if we don't hear it at the start, keep asking the question and listening deep in our heart to what he's saying, that our lives change at that point. The problem is, often, we can't face the fact that our lives have changed at that point. And it's not God's problem He doesn't have a problem changing people's lives and lifestyle, you know, because it's not about lifestyle. It's about the hidden man of the heart, the inner man that he's created deep within us, already wonderfully perfect in Christ, seated on the throne of heaven. And it's this man that has all the capacity to go through the the, the trial that we're facing. If we understand the nature of the trial, that's our first port of call. Then we come to the point of looking at it soberly and not trying to get out of it, but to try to find God in it. He's in it. He's right there with us, leading us through the valley of the shadow of death and finding him and not wanting. The new man is patient, coming and living out of that new life that we have, not striving with the flesh or trying to be religious about it or doing what everybody else is doing. It's personal, very personal. And God will lead us personally To come to this point where we can sit back, you've got to accept that, okay, in this time, I'm going to relax and let God do his work.
2: So Chris, 18 years ago was when this new learning began. Did you ever imagine in that time frame that your marriage would come to an end and that you'd still be alive 18 years later
1: to be sharing your story? Um, no, it, it, well, going through the trial, it was one day at a time, and, and that was the part of just accepting and letting go. Somebody once asked me, and they were very high up in Amway, you know, and I'd just been diagnosed with this cancer only about a month before, and I was on my first second course of chemo treatment, and they said, "Where do you see yourself in ten years?" <laughs> mm-hmm. And of course, my sense of humor, I just said, "Probably dead." Mm. And they couldn't handle that, you know, because mm-hmm. that didn't fit in with their marketing philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was being facetious, but I didn't know whether I would or not. It was one of the things that I had to accept mm-hmm. that the life of God is beyond this life, and God doesn't see so much in temporal terms, He sees in eternal terms. So I, I never imagined what the outcome would be. I didn't know that Robin would eventually leave. It was very, very difficult for her. She was only a relatively new Christian when we we married and it wasn't long after that that we were thrown into the deep end and pioneering this church and then she had gabrielle so it was a lot that she had to handle sure and she was a lot younger than me and i wrote a passage in the book about her called the weeping angel Mm. i tried to avoid it because i didn't want people to know that i'd been divorced and god spoke to me clearly and he said you have to tell people the truth you have to tell people the way it was for her and you have to honour her in this situation. Wow. So I ended up writing a whole chapter on her called The Weeping Angel and then I realised the things that she'd gone through. It was horrific what she had to go through. She was not only now the wife of a sick pastor and her husband was possibly dying of cancer. She was a new new mother with a six-month-old. You asked before about the support. Nobody knew how to handle that. Mm. You know, The church mothers, how many of them had experienced that? gone through that unfortunately she began to flounder and i wasn't there i was always the guy that was heading the charge and because i was older too she looked to me but now i was drowning Well, the boat that we were in was leaking she didn't know what to do eventually she drifted away we're still good friends today so it was one of those times again another addition to the trial but can god work in that absolutely he can
2: are your daughters all within reach?
1: Gabrielle lives on the Gold Coast. I see her regularly. And um, my second daughter has just come back from Colombia. She's done a marine science degree and she was working off the coast of Colombia on a marine science project. And my eldest daughter has two children, so that makes me a grandfather. Mm-hmm.
2: Congratulations. Thank
1: thank you. And, and she, you're
2: alive and well to be grandpa. I'm,
1: I am, by the grace of God.
2: Yeah. Isn't Ab- that the truth?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
2: Chris... I guess for you, music is a big part of your world. You're alive, you're a well man, and music is one form of creative expression. Did you find that music for you in itself was a therapeutic tool throughout your journey?
1: Well, yes. One of the things that awakened, you see... As I went through this, my outer shell was dying, mm-hmm. if you like. Well, chemotherapy really is, you know, developed from germ warfare. Yeah, it poisons your body, and it poisons all the fast-growing cells, which is why your hair falls out. But one of the things, my inner man came alive and awakened, and so it was almost like as the outward man perished, the inward man began to develop and mature. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that awakened was creativity. Mm. I try and uh, personify this again in in, in the book, you know, that this this colourful character. I woke up one morning and here's this colourful character doing cartwheels, you know, came and introduced himself with a big floppy hat with a feather in it and bowed. Ah, true. Yeah, and then danced away. And he was creativity. And he became my companion from that day on. And I embraced him as my friend even today, um, I, I love the whole creative thing, and always had a bent that way, and I was always a songwriter. you know I mean I love words, and hence you know I've written us CDs which are very lyric driven. So um, writing songs uh, became quite prolific as I was coming out of this experience of the deep valleys, and there were many, many more experiences. One of the sections is called "The Descending into the Depths of Divine Surgery." And it was a real experience of that for me, where God operated deep in my heart. But then, then it's it's coming out uh, up into the heights of of um, eternal revelation of whatever I called it. <laughs> so, it was at that point, at that time, that suddenly the words started to flow, and suddenly music started to flow. I picked up my guitar and began to to write again and begin to, to write and it was like he, he was saying you don't have to write like everybody else the whole point of creativity is that you don't have to be like everybody else you don't have to you know, recycle what's already been done that's not creative you can express who you are because I love who you are and see one of the other things that emerged was accepting the fact that I could be who I am and even today I go in coming here you know or going somewhere else you think Oh well, all these other people have done it this way, and God all, all the time speaks and says, "Don't you dare do it that way, because you do it the way you are, and I will I will express my creativity through you.
2: You are unique, and yeah. this is a unique experience. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. I love hearing your insight with regard to you know finding the treasures of darkness, with regard to those hidden riches and the secret places, and 18 years later, you are alive, like I said, you are well, and God's not finished with you yet. What are your hopes and dreams?
1: Well, I'm really blessed. I just want to walk again at the steady pace. The lessons that I learned back there, I still am learning. We don't ever stop learning. Aren't
2: we all? Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I, I hope, and as I started walking, languishing on a bed and letting God deal with you is one thing, but then suddenly you get your feet back. And so am I going to go back into my old habits, into my old ways? Am I going to go racing ahead and try and do the work for God instead of let God work through me and I've been very, very conscious of that all these years mm-hmm. and still am conscious. So, look, as far as ambitions go, I hope to author many books. I've started another one, and I've got children's books that have never been published that I, I wrote.
2: And you want to share them with those grandkids.
1: Yes, Absolutely, Mm -hmm. yeah. That would be one of the things that I I would love to do. So it's the freedom that I love, the freedom of the grace of God, that we are righteous in him. He's accomplished everything for us, the work ahead of us. He's empowering us to do, and it's organic growth. He will grow it. He will build the church. I'm just steadily walking along with this, and blessed out of my socks. By the grace of God, I'm here. And by the grace of God, I'll be where I am tomorrow. Yeah, yeah.
2: Amen. I want to live
1: to 120.
2: Hey, why not?
1: Yeah, there's too much to do. And
2: <laughs> Chris, thanks so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks, Karen. God Appreciate bless. Appreciate being here.
2: You and your family.
1: His grace to you.
0: That was Karen Hunt chatting with Chris Lamb, author of the book What They Didn't Tell Me About Suffering, The Unseen Road to Recovery, which he wrote as a guide for anyone suffering. He says it's important to remember that God hasn't abandoned you in your struggle and that the grace of our Lord is readily available, no matter how bad things may appear. Some comforting words for all of us. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. In my
2: teenage years, when things were tough, I was getting picked on at school and I was quite an angry girl. I just kind of thought my life sucks. You know, if, if God's real, how I could any of this stuff have happened to me and um, it was sort of when I got sick I mentioned that I only had my eyes out recently Uh, I listened to a lot of sermons and read a lot of the scriptures during that time and
0: I thought I really want to learn more about this Karen Black was born blind and rebelled against God in her teenage years but she says now her spiritual eyes have been opened and that she can see but just in a different way we'll hear her story and some of the challenges she faces in everyday life